Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line. Hi, this is Deborah Butler, and thanks for joining me for People Know Stuff. And today, I'm happy to have Anne McKillops with me. And Anne knows stuff about advocating for a change of law. So first of all, welcome, Anne. Glad you're here. And mm-hmm. let me give you just a little bit of backstory on Anne. Anne has a history of being involved with her community and being an advocate. And two years ago, about two years ago, right, Anne? Right. She realized that she was really frustrated with the volume of the cars that were intruding on her living experience in the high rise where she resides in Metro Atlanta and specifically in the Buckhead neighborhood. But she also knew she wasn't the only one who was really frustrated with these extremely loud cars. And she lives high up, but can't escape the the noise that these cars make. So she knew that other people in her high rise were frustrated. And she also had had enough involvement with the community work that she's done to recognize that if anything was going to happen, then she needed to take action. People complain, but she was someone who decided I'm going to take action. And she never tried before to address something at a level of changing the law. So, Anne, why don't you tell us what you've learned as a result of that process? Two years, I might add. Uh, I can tell you two years ago, I knew virtually nothing about the Georgia legislature, except that I had heard they were only in session 40 days. Now, I had no idea what that meant. Um, I also knew that I had a high level of frustration with these loud cars. And in talking to other groups that I'm involved in, I realized they had the same thing. And everybody was talking about getting it going and worrying about it, trying to figure it out. And finally, I said, I've had it. I'm taking it and running with it. And so I started out with some ideas about going through the local contacts to get it fixed. And then I found out through reading the Georgia Code and lots of people talking to me and interviewing a lot of people that it wasn't a local issue. I had to change a state law because the technology that's out there and being used throughout the country and Europe involves this technology. But the way the Georgia Code of Law is written, that technology is illegal in the state of Georgia. So can can I stop you there? Mm -hmm. You're talking about the technology that measures the volume of sound? The decibel level. Okay. So you thought you could do something local. And what do you mean by that? That you could get the police to just stop? The the police to do a better job of rounding them up because Atlanta, like every other municipality, I think, in the country does have a noise ordinance. The issue is, is monitoring it. I found out that handheld decibel meters, which actually measure the sound of the noise, don't work. The handheld ones don't hold up in court. 
because they're like radar guns. Radar guns have to be calibrated every time before they're used. And that's why you see radar police of the law enforcement sitting in a car and holding the radar gun because it's been calibrated for that specific location with the environment around it, the sounds, everything. So it goes in one direction. But the handheld decibel meter, you can't do that. You would have to stand like a statue and hold it. But you're not going to do that because with a handheld, you're going to walk around. So that kept getting kicked out in court. That that technology could not be used. So in other words, here you were along with other citizens frustrated by how loud these cars were. And yeah, there was an ordinance, but you you realize you quickly learned that this is a complex issue. And for this to be enforced, you had to take a step back and actually learn about the technology of measuring sound. I know more about decibel levels than I ever <laughs> thought I wanted to know. Um, you have to make sure you use what is called the DBA, which is the adjust- adjusted decibel levels, because human beings only can hear certain levels, whereas other there's other decibel levels that animals and all can hear that we can't hear. So you have to work only from adjusted. And the the standard is 30 decibel levels is like a whisper. 95 decibel letters is like an average motorcycle and 130 decibels will cause hearing loss. Well, indeed, you really do have more knowledge than you started out with. Um, (laughs) Sure. So this was something you ran into pretty quickly that, okay, so I've got to go beyond just the ordinances. Now I've got to, even to get, you know, if you're going to get the law in the books, because that's part of what you worked on, you have to help enable the law to be enforced. Did you Laws know? Are on the, no, I didn't realize that. I knew we had a noise ordinance. And then I had to research and figure out why that noise ordinance didn't work. And if you think about a community that has lots of tall buildings, they have a whole different issue with noise because, and particularly with the cars, if a car goes down a street that's surrounded by loud noises, loud mufflers, that sound bounces off the car, the buildings. So their loud noise is different than somebody racing through a neighborhood that just has single family homes. So I, I had to learn why the noise ordinances couldn't be enforced because just on loud cars is not it. It's like bar noise, party noise. There are noise ordinances, but how do you measure it? So, and you can't measure so you, it unless you have the technology. So, Ian, were you advocating for a change of law or for a way to measure noise? I mean, what what's the difference? The, the big difference is you can measure it, but if there isn't a law to, if, there, if there's a law, you have to be able to enforce it. I don't care if it's a speed limit, whatever there is, if there's a law, you have to be able to enforce it. So, as I got How is it different it, from an ordinance then? So, the law ordinance. ordinance. An ordinance is usually a local thing versus a law being a larger jurisdiction. Okay. And a noise, like an ordinance is usually a guide, like a noise ordinance. You can't exceed X decibels from X feet. The law is that you can't have modified mufflers. Technically, according to the Georgia Code, you cannot sell or install a modified muffler, but I don't think they enforce that. Uh, so... I had to learn the whole gamut of what 
how did how did that get on the books? And then because it's not effective, how do we make that effective? Sure, sure. So you that can, was a big part of it too. Is, oh, absolutely. Yeah. How do we rewrite the law essentially so that, and how can we be sure that it's something that can be enforced? So that yeah. took you down the path of all this different research. And um, I'll come back to that because I know that's part of what you want to share with people around the issue of staying motivated because it's truly complex, especially something like what you took on. And so now you decide, okay, um, I want to, I want to advocate for a law that can be, can be enforced. Tell us what you learned about working with the legislature. That was a very big learning experience, uh, to say the least, because even though my issue was what I viewed as a nonpartisan issue and everybody you talk to will tell you it is a nonpartisan issue because everybody is felt deals with the same thing. But I found out that in Georgia, the legislature is dominated by Republicans. And you also have the issue that Republicans have a sense sometimes of big brother, too much big brother. So you have to be careful to weigh that into the new technology as you introduce it. But my most original support were from Democrats. And in Georgia, the way the state legislature works, it had you, anybody, any of the legislators can introduce a bill. And then it goes to the committee for reading, study, and writing. But my bills, the bill couldn't get anywhere because most of my supporters at that time were Democrats. Republicans supported it, but they weren't really behind it. Sure. And because this was always introduced by a Democrat, the bills, it didn't get very far because the Republican chairman of the committees in general at that time were not willing to take it forward out of committee. Because if it doesn't get out of committee, it's going nowhere. I didn't know. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing you say is um, it may on paper seem like a right. an a political issue. But when it comes to um, a law and when it comes to the legislature, that's just a myth. There's no such thing totally. as being political. So it, it, it's almost like, you know, warning, warning, if you're going to work with the legislature, be prepared for politics. Every obstacle in the book. Um and you're not approaching it as I'm Ann and I'm a Republican or I'm Ann and I'm a Democrat. You're approaching it as I'm a citizen, I'm concerned. And how do I navigate the complexity of a very political system? How it exactly. looks on paper and how it actually operates is different. So what did you, how did you figure out how to, you said when we talked earlier, you needed to stay neutral. How in the world did you work to stay neutral? There were, as you have to remember, there's always other issues in the area you are that you live. There were some other movements going on. I also started this during a campaign for a whole new mayor and governor. So I had to stay totally apolitical because I didn't want to endorse one person that maybe not get into office when I needed the other person that did win. So I had to stay completely neutral throughout yeah. the entire process on anything that came up, any law, any movement, anything. I had to stay completely neutral. Wow. Because wow. I didn't want and I didn't I didn't think about it from that perspective because I thought, 
oh, this is a common problem. Everybody in the state, everybody in the country has this problem. So it doesn't matter what my political beliefs or what I want to do outside of my committee. And I found out that's not true. And I actually... Yeah. yeah. And so what I'm saying is you have you've got to say really neutral politically. But what I'm hearing you say is you've got to see what else is in play. What are the other issues in play? Because that will affect it's like, you know, kind of a environmental scan of, of who are these legislatures paying attention to, you know, wh- who's got their ear, what issues are going on? Are there any that could adversely affect what you're trying to achieve and um, or could enhance what you're trying to achieve, but nothing lives in a vacuum. And this, this noise ordinance, I mean, noise change of law wasn't going to live in a vacuum and it wasn't going to be able to escape the politics of, you know, a legislature. It's interesting too, because this particular issue affects not only quality of life, like being able to watch TV, have a Zoom call, whatever, because you can't do that when the cars are running. It impacts the quality of life, but it also impacts health. There's now data that shows that it increases diabetes, high blood pressure, depression. There's all kinds of uh, data now about how it impacts. So do I look at it and try to work on it from a public health perspective or do I look at it because there's also a lot, and I never knew this, something I learned that noise affects wildlife and our environment because sure. for an example, birds listen for their prey. And if they can't hear the prey, they don't know how to find it because yeah. they can't. And they, that's how they work because on sound. Yeah. And so they won't react to the prey. And then they get disoriented and then you have the seed eating or spreading birds and bees because the noise has disturbed their environment. They don't understand when the next move is to go take seeds and spread them. And so, so your learning has spanned all the way from decibels and knowing decibels of sound that uh, that p- people can hear and 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 knowing about birds and and bees, bees and, yeah yeah I mean, again very wide range of investigation it, it, you don't realize then once you start getting the bigger picture of all this then you have to stop and think and work with others to figure out what is the best avenue do you go at from a public health perspective right do you go at it from the natural wildlife perspective or do you go through it from the quality of life? Then you have to look as I, on this one. I have learned that MARTA, the mass transit in Georgia, would like to use the same technology for some new things they're coming out with. So I was able to jump in on coalition there and to like with them yeah. Yeah. because they have more money than we do. And they actually have a larger presence in the state than we do. And so I've been able to tag along on other issues as they move through. Mine is like an ancillary to this. and an, Because if they do this, then they need to do this. And so if the legislature passes a law allowing the technology to what MARTA wants, then they'll have to include 
what we need because the technology is about taking pictures of license plates. And in Georgia, it's against the law, except in specially designated areas for violations. And they're very specific about those violations. So, so now we've moved from we've moved from noise <laughs> levels to being able to take pictures of licenses. You know, so that's again, the technology. There you go. It's, but I, it's interesting because I'm hearing you say that um, you it, it's very complicated as far as who are your allies because you can see that you have shared interests, and that's mm-hmm. something you would really need to investigate. But then who are your adversaries, if you will? Because what you're seeking could be counter to what they're seeking. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And so how do you, and, and you can't do this alone. How did you um, create your um, working committee? Through, literally through networking. I went to some of the local community organizations and ask for volunteers. Some of them volunteered, but keeping them involved was a whole different issue because they get bored and un- less motivated as you go along. But in the meantime, they're telling other people about it because the other people that they know are complaining about the loud noise, i.e., you now know about the loud noise issue because I've talked to you about it. And otherwise, you just know it's something going on that's driving you crazy, but I'm not going to do anything about it. So gradually, I have built up a statewide task force from throughout the state of people that have the same concerns, regardless what city they live in, regardless what kind of their community is, if it's a high-rise community, or if it's a single-family community, or if it's an industrial area. And so if you think about even like New Orleans that has all the retail stores on the first level and people live on the second level of their buildings down in the French Quarter. So it's difficult to have a noise ordinance that tries to keep the activity in the bars and stuff in the French Quarter down so that it doesn't impact the quality of life of the residents that live over the stores, over the bars. So you have to learn the different areas that are impacted and how it's impacted. And that to me has been a huge learning thing. And then learning about the technology that is being used out there. Well, let's go back to your committee. It sounds like, so your committee has expanded beyond your region. um, And you bring up New Orleans because you've also done some benchmarking to other states. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you keep, you know, you form the committee by seeking out like-minded people. But these like-minded people are up against what we're discussing, the complexity of all that's involved. And how do you keep the committee coordinated, engaged, and how do you keep yourself motivated? Because you've been at this for two years. There are downtimes. The one thing I've done is assign tasks. You know, we needed to get a database created with all the legislators' names and what their region was and their emails. And some of that is easily available but remember now, we're going through an election where this stuff is all going to be changing. And right. when it changed, then your committee leaderships changed. So we had to have this huge Excel chart as to who was Democrats, who were Republicans, who was running for re-election, who wasn't running. And we also were going through a redistricting in Georgia. 
So okay, so you're <laughs> sharing, yeah, you're sharing the heartburn of it. What I want to know is, what do you do when the heartburn just feels like, ah, uh, you know? Oh, we had that recently. One of the legislators was concerned that the technology that is available and used basically universally felt that it could be because it was measuring the sounds of decibel. And they were afraid that this measuring of the sound would also record voices. And it, it, it would. It would. It would record a voice if it was loud enough to trigger the recording. And he couldn't understand that, no, we're not recording people's private conversations. Plus, it's everything's recorded over each other every 14 seconds. So even if you did record a conversation, it's only 14 seconds, which is not a lot of information. So you go through this. You know, I was so disillusioned when he brought up that because it was like, how do you convince somebody that you're really not recording? Plus, if you're out in the street and you're carrying on a conversation, you don't expect privacy. Right, right. Well, again, you're bringing up the heartburn. What's the one thing you could tell us that keeps you motivated, at least? Because, boy, you've, you know, I mean, you, you've given us a window into the complexity of the effort that you face around advocating for a change of law just as a citizen. How do you give us, let's close strong. Tell us how you've stayed motivated. Like this past week, this past week, last week, I really got disillusioned because of this legislator that was worried about recording conversations. And I'm like, oh, now how do I get past this obstacle? And I find that if I do an update memo to our entire task force outlining what we have accomplished and breaking it down into pieces that everybody can relate to, I realized I can do this. We can do this because it's now in pieces that are manageable. Okay. I love it. And so I I do think that's a strong ending because you certainly have shared with us what you're trying to do. And how, you know, you, you face some pretty strong headwind as a citizen. But the thing that keeps you going is to sit down and look at what you've already done, what you've already done. And I, I think that's a really nice takeaway, because if you are someone that wants to be an advocate for a change of law, well, you've done a nice job of just kind of showing us what we might face and keeping us you know, with the effort by not losing sight of anything that you've done once you get underway and, and taking strength in that achievement. So thanks, Anne. (laughs) Just be careful what you ask for the learning process. (laughs) No kidding. kidding. Be willing to to learn. Really, be willing to learn. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for all you're doing. Thanks, Deborah. Thanks, Deborah. Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line.